0: Uh my only open is I can't believe I have to say this to seemingly adults but uh don't go into a restaurant if you have covid.
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> Just a random PSA. Um it's not not a difficult thing to uh to decide on. Uh your move now Josh.
1: Yeah yeah, if you've certainly if you've t- you know, gone to the extent to where you tested and you got a positive result and then you're still willing to go into like public, that's certainly a huge, uh, humanitarian Selfish foul move. on, on you. Um, yeah, it's, um but I, with, with the people that are like not willing to get tested and sort of the lack of the, uh, you know, pounding people overhead with PSAs about getting tested and having a big public outreach to get people tested all the time and that type of thing I don't know I'm sure there's lots of people who are going into restaurants with COVID and they have no idea you know because there's just no impetus to test
0: yeah I mean well the CDC's recommendation of uh, you need 15 minutes of exposure that's not like that's (laughs) No, you need what you need to get sick is for the virus to enter your body, and that can happen in one second. Yeah, so the fifteen set the fifteen minute rule is just as a these are aggregate guide a threshold <laughs> <Yeah>. guideline. <laughs> exactly, it's not how science works. So, did anything happen this week?
1: Uh, yeah, the the new name of the podcast, Anything happened This Week? Well, I was, you know, really getting refreshed, reminding myself what I studied last week to talk about Sagittarius A-Stars imaging, and um, I guess if we had done this like we had planned, where we were going to, like, record yesterday, somewhat early in the day, we might have, you know, just missed all of the events, so... <laughs> M- yeah you know maybe, maybe uh, n- uh may- maybe if everyone wanted a uh a black hole heavy podcast, podcast um, we should have recorded yesterday morning
0: yeah I I was thinking about that too because it was just um I mean we've I had to move from our normal recording date uh because I'm busy that day and then we're both busy, so we just pushed it from yesterday to today, and then like it would have been during the time. So yeah, and yeah. I don't have like Twitter open when we record, so I probably would have sounded very uh, tone deaf. I suppose but. <laughs>
1: we would have been, we would have been like, "Yeah, you guys remember last week? Well, glad we got that all off our chest, so we can get back to this science stuff."
0: Yeah, feeling nice and refreshed now. <laughs> i mean i I did want to point out from last week too, um mentioning like how I was saying that uh buying a gun doesn't isn't going to help you in any instance mm-hmm. I mean, like you know people who think buying a gun is somewhat necessary to uh defend against the threat of right wing extremists and everything uh well, i mean. A lot of people bought guns and cops shot a thousand people last year. So, <laughs> uh, well, it's,
1: at some point, don't we have to get to like, uh, like, is there I, w- I want to know, is there negative inflation on guns? Because like there's so many, you know, enough for like every person to have or every adult in America to have two but for every one in America to have like 1.2 guns if you include like every infant and you mm. give them one everyone's got enough to have like 1.2 1.25 guns so at what point does like oh man we're just we're just so oversaturated with guns that like they basically only cost like $2 to go buy because there's just so many of them <laughs> like, yeah like at what point is the is the demand met so that we're just oversupplied so that the price just falls through the floor? Because
0: it it is funny. It that evidently
1: the- isn't yet because all of the uh, gun manufacturer stocks were way up this morning.
0: <laughs> Everyone who loves saying supply and demand is is you know the golden rule. Yeah. Uh, also love guns for some reason. There's this weird <laughs> overlap of uh, of uh, contradiction. Yeah, I mean it's. You said it last week, like things have to just get worse and, you know, turn the page on the calendar and, uh, things have gotten worse and guess what? Not, not anything's going to change because they, it can't change is the, is really the, the thing because it's, you, I mean, honestly, what do you have that anybody's doing? Like California passed a law today, um, they wrote their law modeled after the Texas abortion law, uh, but it's for gun control where any citizen can, you know, whatever, sue sue another another citizen. Yeah. Um, of course the thing that, uh, has been pointed out so clearly, like other people saying like in Japan, you have to, uh, you know, get interviewed by the cops and have three different permits and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah to order a gun. I mean, as we've, detailed multiple times this country was founded on white supremacy and still upholds those values extremely strongly so how do you think that's going to work out in this country right Um,
1: Our, our favorite mythological origin story you know going back to the revolution is a story of violence um, and that being the solution to our problems, <laughs> so it's it's not yeah. like uh, we were we we don't really talk about like the nation being uh, this level headed group of individuals coming together to talk about how to most equitably represent all the individuals in a country, and you know we're gonna have some clear headed debate on on you know who should have what rights and how far are we willing to give these freedoms and all that no the 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 stories we talk about are like the boston tea party and valley forge and the, the all all the rambo moments we we like our george washington when he's doing rambo stuff we don't like him when he's like uh trying being
0: a horrible general yeah
1: we don't like him when he's trying to like be uh a, a moderate legislator
0: <laughs> yeah it's I mean, I don't know. You said you had some thoughts. So um, yeah, I guess my to, to,
1: to carry over what we talked about last week, and now that I've had even more time to get some clarity, um, I think the, the underlying thing that's in this instance, which is also the instance with um, race relations and police brutality and... Income inequality and lots of other things that are going on just with the concept of American culture is this insistence on American exceptionalism as if all of these things that happen that are outside of what we define as exceptionalism are somehow outliers or that's not actually representative of our body as a nation and um, I think that is the major um, thing that gets in the way of us actually making any kind of reform or change to that culture that we all are a part of um, and we talked about it a little bit last week but it's up to everyone to not only condemn these types of acts of violence but also Accept our role in it. Take accountability for it. Even if we've just dis- disagreed with it our whole life and we've been firebrands on social media media saying it's terrible and telling all our friends this is not who we are and blah, blah, blah. No, it is. It is who we are. It is who you are, the most progressive liberal person. It is who you are, the most conservative Republican. It is who you are, the most aloof centrist. It's, it, it's all of us. So... The reason that's important is to ever affect change, whether it's a small issue in your personal life, um, a disagreement you have with a family member, or on an entire nation scale, the acceptance of your accountability, of your responsibility, of your role in the problem is the only thing that's going to get you to the point where you can be vulnerable enough to actually enact change that would upend the corruption in the culture or the violence in the culture or the inequality in the culture. You can't just do it from the outside looking in, prescribe it like you're some teledoc, like, oh yeah, I know what to do. You just, just, if someone could just go take this medication, then it would solve all society's ills. You have to really, really wrestle with yourself and understand that it's you it's us. It's all of us. And until you have that acceptance, there's no way you can ever get to the vulnerable moment of actual change. Um, and that's why last week, and we'll say it again, like it's got to get a lot worse before it's going to get better. Um, because I, there's not that... E- even after the events of yesterday and Buffalo last week and California in between and... <clears throat> going back fucking 23 years ago with Columbine and everything else, like there has never been that giant collective moment where we as Americans were all willing to have that introspective, um, interchange with ourselves, with our family members, with our neighbors. Um, and this goes back to, to like this, the way that we were brought up as, These these the these millennials that are now like entering our middle age years. We were still brought up on the vestiges of this idea that it's taboo to talk about um, controversial topics. Like you don't want to upset your grandparents at Christmas. You don't want to like bring up something at a dinner party that might rub someone the wrong way. So you avoid all these topics that are considered taboo political topics but i think the overarching reality at least of my lifetime has been that anything and everything that is um considered political um is not from from the definition of that political term that other people label it it's not political i don't think human rights are a political issue um like i i don't think that <clears throat> these things are like these are not like uh, decisions on how we should effectively uh, calculate the margin rate for for taxes on investments or something like that we're not talking about oh man maybe uh, maybe we should uh, expand, to you know medical care to have these other elective procedures that would be covered by medicare for all or something we're not having those types of conversations these aren't those conversations that happen in the margins on policy prescriptions to handle things that's those are political conversations none of this that we are ever talking about is marginal we're not ever talking about things on the fringe or things on the edge um i don't think that Gun violence that is perpetrated in these massive, deadly numbers on regular occurrences that are only increasing. I don't think that's a political issue in the terminology that pundits like to claim is a political issue. Um, so that, that's the other thing. I think we are living in this hangover of everyone before us going back to the greatest generation in World War II— thinking it was taboo to talk about any of this stuff. It's why like civil rights never made it all the way to full civil rights because let's not really talk about it. You know, we don't really want to talk about this stuff cuz that would be too uncomfortable. We don't want to be uncomfortable cuz then that would make us question our American exceptionalism and all the other things that we believe in. Um and we're just at a time where either we have to make everybody uncomfortable all the time or we have to just accept the culture for what it is, and hey, this is just America. And if you're not going to be part of, willing to, if you're not willing to realize that you are an active participant in the history that's unfolding before your eyes, um, then maybe uh, we got to find another country or some somewhere else to to live to avoid the uh, avoid the massive death machine that. That our culture has become, but that's just sort of my summation of my baseline here, <laughs> of, of where I wanted to start before my thoughts got too scrambled, going in a million directions with Beto challenging uh, Governor Abbott a few hours ago, and
0: to a push-up contest. All the
1: all the all the the, the one that's really been bothering me is the uh, all the gotcha stuff that's been going around social media. You know, like, uh, oh, well, Republicans wanted to ban books and they want to ban masks, but they don't want to ban guns. Don't you see the hypocrisy here? They don't care about your children. And I'm like, it's not a hypocrisy. This is completely consistent with the entire platform. I don't see why anyone is like thinking that these are awesome gotcha moments. Oh, man, they're going to be so stuck in a corner now. How's anyone going to ever believe in them or vote for them again? We got you, buddy. Um, No, it's totally consistent with everything that we've talked about on this podcast, like especially if you're just talking about the focus on schools. Um, Of course, they want schools to be militarized police authoritarian states, and they also want them to not talk about race issues. And they also don't want to give kids money for food. And they also don't want to (laughs) let kids have health protections during a pandemic. And they also want to deprive them of all these other things like the whole the whole idea is to make public school an untenable situation for everyone so that it doesn't exist anymore. Um, So who gives a fuck if people, you know, go and shoot up a school? That's just going to help us get to the inevitability of where we want to be. So I, in my mind, I don't see the, uh, these uh, cool uh, rhetorical games or, policy decision gotcha games that are being played out on on social media because i think it's completely consistent with the ideological principles of that party um
0: yeah it's it's not it is such a short-sighted view to try and think that you have found hypocrisy within their platform like it's it is not at all recognizing the the power and the game plan (laughs) that they've had Mm -hmm. for so long, you know, like it's, it's, I mean, it's just annoying at this point because it's, it doesn't do anything one and two. I mean, it's one of those things. It's kind of like, you know, I always feel conflicted just like talking about this kind of stuff here, like as at like dedicating a whole episode to it. Cause I feel like for the most part, we're preaching to the choir. Right. Um, but that's what, like, the online feels like when you do that. It's like, okay, you're going to make the people upset at the people who are already upset at those people. Yeah. Got it. Like, that's a real strong case <laughs> for changing something. And, like, when you mentioned, too, that um should you just find another country to live in? And I lived in a country where there were no guns. Um, And let me tell you, there was... Uh no worry about um shootings uh and there's very little crime and uh guess what that took Just about a thousand and a half years of the culture being <laughs> yeah. uh you know molded into this one style of collectivism in a way that your American brain, I promise you will not be able to tolerate for more than a year yeah um. And it's, it's not, like, bad. You People are happy there. That's the thing that, like, I you know, I, I said this years ago when I was talking with TC and Jake, but it's, like, you know, it's a totally different mentality of thinking. Um, but people are happy there. Like, you have people that are happy here. Oh, too. yeah. And we, we um, talked
1: about that last week. Uh, just people are... St- stoked on america even if you show them the statistics of like the gun violence and the the vehicular violence like all there's lots of things you can show about how much more dangerous america is than what a lot of people would consider third world banana republic type of countries and yet they're like oh yeah well i would never travel to any of
0: those countries to go on vacation because
1: it's not nearly as safe as america
0: (laughs) right yeah i mean it's and, but the other thing too, that I think, like, it's hard to put into words because I also, I mean, it was over five years ago at this point, but the, the reality of, of global capitalism in a country that doesn't have guns is just as oppressive. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it is like the, the, you know, everybody knows that Japan had a very high suicide rate, um, and it's been in a recession since i can't remember since when but it's it's going on or over 30 years yeah it started um, in the
1: 80s cuz that's isn't that when they revalued the yen i forget this i yeah, forget the they, timeline of the economics of when uh, the cuz i know that it was coupled with part of like the um housing crash in america that happened in the mid 80s too
0: right yeah japan had a huge housing or rental bubble um that i mean they like and it's it's interesting because people refer to it in japan as the bubble or like the bubble time Mm -hmm. as as if like yeah those were great times (laughs) like people just had money that (laughs) they're this is the roaring 20s you know (laughs) yeah exactly um and so it's it's interesting but it's also you know i think the thing that um lowered the suicide rate in Japan uh, was COVID. It was people being able to actually be at home (laughs) more and spend time with their families, even though like a lot of the times I say a lot, but, you know, um, from what I can tell, a lot of the times there's marriages that it's it's not the same as like, you know, I'm going to love this person forever. It is. It's not like arranged marriages or anything like that, but it's it's a different setup. Mm-hmm. There's people who get married and they live in a prefecture and guess where all the jobs are? Tokyo. So then the you know, the husband takes the train and works in Tokyo for 6 months and then takes a train home and sees his wife and then goes back or does that every week and they have an apartment in Tokyo or whatever that he sleeps in. Mm-hmm. So it's Again, um, it's totally different, and that's a society that you can consider. Oh, they don't have guns. What's another society? Australia, because they had a mass yeah, shooting New in the nineties. <clears throat> um, but they're about to be. Uh, Australia is going to be on fire here in a few months. For for a few months, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the the realism of of how much capitalism has ground down everything everywhere means that moving is not going to change things. And then moving as you're describing it means one, it's a selfish move. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, I I understand people wanting to protect themselves and their family. So I'm not using that in a pejorative sense, but it is selfish. You have to contend with that. And two, as you said earlier, what are you prescribing things that need to change from outside of the system so okay you know great like (laughs) you remove yourself from the equation and it's not like anybody within the equation can do anything but i don't know at least there's (laughs) collective suffering (laughs) i don't know right
1: right that and that's where you know it's got to get worse before it gets better and go back to all the stuff we talked about like We've we've always been big fans of uh, the dialectic here. We you know, we we talk about Marx. We talked about Hegel. We've talked about Freire. We've talked about how social change happens. And it's never it's never a top down cordial Process. (laughs) uh, process. <laughs> the 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 yeah. w- when real social change happens, when real cultural change happens in a country, it is a bottom up revolution, um, and that's why in in pedagogy of the oppressed, like the main focus is on you have to it has to be done through through the children and having them understand from an early age they have an active role to play and not be taught as if they're like um bystanders to or just watching a movie of reality you know they're they're they have to take an active role because it's not going to be an old bernie sanders firebrand that is going to be the one that changes the culture i mean it's fun it's cool to have that as like a person who maybe wakes people up you have somewhat of like a populist type of approach that rallies a bunch of people to some political action that that maybe they didn't know they was inside of them before that, that role is necessary, like we talked about in the French Revolution and those types of things, but the actual change happens from the generations beneath that person that are building it up. It doesn't happen from the top down. It doesn't happen from Robespierre. Robespierre's not going to be the guy who leads the new France after after the fucking revolution. He's going to become paranoid and murder everyone. <laughs> like it, this, this this has happened many times in history. Um so I don't necessarily feel the uh the ground swelling around me of uh, of this bottom up type of cultural revolution that is that we're on the cusp of or anything like that if anything we're at the stage now where we have a bunch of sundowning baby boomers that have you know no term limits and have established themselves through the benefit of money and politics and lobbying to like positions of power that they've held for multiple decades and they're going to claw at everything as their as their daylight sets on the horizon. They're going to claw at everything to get it back to the closest where it was whenever they started to think about coming to power. And we are in. We are experiencing the clawback, and the clawback has to get really bad before you have the uprising. So I don't. I'm not here to say that I. I think that. Uh, Gun legislation is going to change. If any of the fucking bills um, that are that the House passed that the Senate refuses to vote on right now, none of those bills would have stopped what happened yesterday. They wouldn't have. Yeah. Um. Like it's it's I don't know it, the 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 same sort of sense of despair and um, desperation and sort of answerless type of hollowness that I felt after 9-11 when, you know, the Patriot Act was instilled and now we have and we still have the TSA at the airport and everyone still has to go through all of this to fly on a plane and all of that. Like if that is just evidence that you once these clawbacks start to happen, they are almost perpetual it's going to it's going to maintain that level of authoritarian oppressiveness once it gets back into the system is going to stay there if not get worse um so you can think that maybe we were having this great you know like late 90s dot com boom time of just everyone having a bunch of free love again and it was all awesome and um you know we we were Thinking that gay people were finally uh, over AIDS and you know, all all these sort of cultural revolutions that we were all experiencing as teenagers, and all it took was like a couple events to claw back in extremely authoritarian and oppressive ways on any of those things that we thought, you know, as like thirteen and fourteen year olds might be might be freedoms that we could experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. It's just. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the COVID cases right now, too, and it's it's like one thing after the other that it all goes together. Like, okay, everybody uh, told me I was being selfish for saying Biden wasn't going to do anything uh, to better your lives. And um, what has he been doing lately, telling states to take whatever leftover COVID money they have and fund more cops? Exactly. <laughs> like... <laughs> uh COVID is on the upswing right now like the last time we had this many cases was right before the omicron explosion in december and uh the deaths were higher at that time because we had a previous large spike um that august and september and so these things aren't over um healthy adults Still can't get their fourth vaccine, technically, <laughs> because they just forgot to update the parameters, even though people aren't going and getting booster shots like they were getting the original vaccines. And it's been over six months since, you know, the first booster because so they, you know, they staggered it mm-hmm. and said, well, healthcare professionals, then vulnerable and all that kind yeah. of stuff makes sense. Totally then you get out to the first booster well because we didn't know there was going to be a need for a booster we have to ramp it back up so we'll delay healthy people and we'll stagger it again okay well you staggered it then now you knew that there was going to be a need for more booster shots and they just no longer tell you you can get it so you have to Go and lie to a CVS in <laughs> hey, order to get it. As
1: long as, as long as you've uh, smoked a couple cigarettes at any point in your life, I think you qualify under the CDC guidelines for uh, for the uh, getting access to the second booster. So, if you ever in high school or college at a party smoked a cigarette, I think you can very. Uh, Steadfastly, without lying to to the to the booster giver people, say that I am qualified to take this to get this shot,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know it's it's just insane to me that like the that a politician doing anything other than tweeting, which Twitter is not a real thing. The percentage of oh, yeah. Americans it's not that are on Twitter yeah. is not real. Um, not yeah, not representative. It is. It is. It is so disheartening that people think a politician going in public is something applause worthy. Like it's driving me nuts. Uh, the the Beto O'Rourke praise for going and you look at the video. I tweeted it out, literally less than thirty seconds of him wagging his finger at Greg Abbott. It was about a minute. Then he turns minute. around and walks out. Yeah. it was not a minute. It was thirty seconds. Then he turned and walked out. Well, and then, he co- and then, and then he then he stopped once the cameras back. got on him. Well, because he's running I, for governor. I will
1: say that um, I don't. I don't mind the Beto going and and talking to them because it's kind of been. He, this has kind of been his big issue, especially since El Paso.
0: He taught a Zoom class on it. Um,
1: but I think that there is. I, I I don't I don't think necessarily it was a political stunt to try to gin up you know whatever votes. I I think he has a he does have a serious emotional trigger reaction to this stuff. And so I think yeah. I think he's genuine when he's sh- like, I need to show up there and fucking, I, I'm not going to have an opportunity. These guys probably aren't even, he's probably not even going to want to debate me in the general election about any of this stuff anyway. So I have to go and, you know, speak truth to power or whatever. I get that sentiment. I definitely feel that same level of thing. Like I want to go and immediately talk to every person that is in my family or that I've known in the past that has been such a fuckhead about the Second Amendment and everything else, and really, you know, lay into them because I've always, you know, you know, you grow up and you're taught you, you can't you don't want to challenge people and make people feel uncomfortable. That's not what a good person does. You have to be gracious, you know. Um, but I you know, I get the whole fuck that sentiment aspect of it now. And I do think that there were people in that audience, that felt that it was incredibly tone deaf for Ted Cruz, Greg Abbott, Ken Paxton, and John Cornyn to show up at an assembly hall in the in the town where it happened to talk about how they really care about what happened. Um, so, if anything was the political stunt that was going on earlier today, I think the origin of the press conference of those four assholes was the uh, was the stunt, not necessarily. Uh, Beto trying to yeah, engage for sure. them,
0: um, and I I think be engaging them is one thing, but that's that's all you've got. <laughs> You're not even gonna get like touched dude, by the co- all like, of those all of
1: the the thing that I mo- noticed noticed most was the the four big gutted white. Uh, fucking boomer guys who all had sidearms and started bowing up immediately to the edge of the stage and were just waiting for anyone to maybe brush past them that would give them a reason to pull that firearm and blow Beto the hell away like you could see it like they were had their hands yeah. ready at their fucking holster they wanted to and if anything that is Maybe that another just moment where you just timestamp that and you're like, look, this is another, this is another exact example of the culture that in a, in a, at a press conference where we were supposed to be talking about, you know, what solutions we might take to prevent this type of violence from happening. Everyone's first reaction when someone had a slightly dissenting opinion was to go for their guns and blow that guy away. Yeah. <laughs> like, that that should be the yeah, bellwether of the whole fucking thing. But who who
0: is that convincing? You know? Like it's that's the thing that there is such a divide, like that you're not getting anybody who supports Abbott onto Beto's oh, side because right. they're like, how how disrespectful for him to make this about himself. And you're not you can't vote harder <laughs> for right. Beto. You you're the swing voters, I swear it's going to come down to people just saying that was rude for him to show up, or saying, Wow, it was kind of interesting that uh, you know, Greg Abbott didn't say anything back to him. Like that's where you're going to get the voting divide and it doesn't it's not going to make much of a difference. But this stuff also happens Like, you know, living where I do, I see it way more. This has happened every single time somebody running for LA mayor goes out in public. Black and brown activists jump them and yell at them about their, you know, like the main guy that's got a ton of support is anti abortion and Pelosi is doing robocalls for him. Like, so who are you putting into office? Like, this is, you know, the, like, This happens all the time, but this is getting media coverage. People are saying, wow, this is so amazing. Good for him. He's actually doing something. He's a rich white guy who actually didn't sacrifice personally to do anything to go there. So that's why I think that it's... The frustrations from me towards Beto doing this is more so that he has he been planning to run for governor the whole time? That's why he didn't run against Cornyn or, you know, is he's, he just seems so theatrical that it, and he doesn't ever actually (laughs) talk about his, his money and his family on his wife's side and where it comes from. So it's, it's something where it's, it's like, you know, if it's theater you can have a character you like. Mhm. Like it you know so he it just because he's somebody that people like because he plays a part that people want somebody to you know rally against. Um I understand liking him and saying like well at least he's doing something but he's part of the game. Oh yeah. You know. That's that's really just where I think the the um hair on the back of my neck stands up from, like, just the weird feeling about it is, like, you have to recognize, like, that voting him into office isn't going to change anything. Maybe, maybe voting him into governor is going to Make it that much more likely that some sort of regulation passes in Texas. Okay, well, where did Sandy Hook happen? Not Texas. So yeah, yeah, and I you know, and that. Where's the next one going to happen?
1: And that was the big thing that, you know, I I hope doesn't get glossed over from Abbott's press conference when he was actually speaking before Beto um, interjected, like. Him saying, uh, Abbott going out of his way to say that uh, New York, L.A., and Chicago, they all have way stricter gun laws than anywhere in Texas do, but look, they have more gun violence than we've ever experienced here in this state, and one, that's kind of bullshit, but two, uh, yeah, but you know where most of the guns came from that were used to perpetrate a lot of those crimes in L.A., New York, and Chicago? Texas. Like, people drove to Texas and bought guns because it was easy to get them. They drove to Indiana because it was really easy to get them in Indiana. Like, they, there, you can be a, a state or even a city in this country and have some really strict laws around your community organization and how you want things to operate. But if you're, uh, 90-minute drive from the complete opposite um, type of restrictions just across the state line, uh, there's not really that much you can do about that. Like, that's a different problem. The the proliferation of these guns from easy-access states to t- states where it's tough is a huge problem. Um, and then I do have, like, a lot of trepidation when it comes to the proposals of... Gun control laws that have been made over the last 20 years and the ones that have been tried to be uh, implemented in those cities and in places like Baltimore, um, because those are not used as ways to prevent gun violence from happening in these types of scenarios. They're used as ways to have more oppressive oversight over young black and brown bodies in that, inside of those cities and have a lot more reasons with a lot harder, harsher sentences to throw someone away for the rest of their life. When they haven't even actually committed any any type of violence, <laughs> like they haven't actually even done anything with the gun, but because they were in the presence of a gun or they were in the a car where a gun was, like they can be put away for a long time. Um, and it's not the uh, it's not the white upper-class people or middle-class people that are being thrown in prison for these sentences uh, because they might have a gun because they just wanted to protect themselves. But that's not the way it's looked at if it's someone is found with a gun in in the inner city. Um, So I do have a lot of trepidation over saying, oh, well, we need to just really come down hard and uh, incarcerate a bunch of folks for even slightly infringing upon... These new strict gun laws that we want to pass. Like, the thing to do is like a buyback program and uh, a limiting manufacturing of future guns. And these types of things are things that aren't going to solve like the problem today, but they're things that you do because they're going to change the culture around, around the weapons so that in 10, 15 years, the th- these types of things won't be as prevalent or nearly a consideration in a lot of people's minds, or a worry or an anxiety in people's minds. Um, so that's the other thing. Um, you know, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little scattered still, but
0: the I mean, I think if a gun buyback program was implemented under this administration, it would be one where. They send you a two hundred dollars check so you can mail your gun to Ukraine. Like it's not <laughs> even like it's not gonna be anything that actually solves the world's problems. No, no, it you would definitely have to be something like uh,
1: like two to five thousand dollars per gun or something like that. You get like a stim- like an actual stimulus government check for every gun you turn in. 'Cause I'd love to make it even a thing where people are like, fuck, I could make a ton of money and they're like, you know, taking their parents' guns and they're turning them in and they're taking their grandfather's old shotgun that he's always had and he won't get rid of and they're turning that in, you know, because they're everyone's trying to make a little extra scratch. Like, maybe we should uh, you know, turn the Turn the scarcity of money and the inflation on food and baby formula, uh, put it to good use and say, hey, uh, you guys knew, want some money for your baby formula, we'll give you $5,000 if you turn in a gun, and just see how many people go out raiding each other's homes to find as many guns as they can to turn them in so they can really cash in.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hypothetically, like, don't creative. worry because those people don't know how to fire them anyways. Right.
1: Right. Um <clears throat> yeah and you know i i don't think that i think it's obvious you know we don't need to get in the woods on like uh fucking the interpretations of the second amendment or uh the founding fathers types of arguments or what a, the explaining to people what a fucking oxford comma is in <laughs> inside the second amendment and how you know grammar matters when you're trying to make sense of what a sentence means so maybe I don't, don't just take one clause and think that's what it means
0: the getting into the second amendment bit has never been my bag because i don't care about the constitution right well and if you <laughs> so look even fucking you're getting even the founders didn't a give trap. a fuck
1: about the constitution like it was their yeah. opinion that it should be like re rewritten like every <laughs> every couple decades because there was no way that this should be a document that is just like the bible that everyone just has to follow for the rest of time
0: yeah i mean if if you want to take take the advice of uh slave owners then i mean that's that's your decision but uh (laughs) couldn't be me
1: (laughs) well and that gets to sort of just the overall dissonance and i think that goes to back to the original point at the beginning and why these ideas that we talk about on here of a dialectic and reason and using evidence and using a scientific method to understand what reality is and. Being getting comfortable with uncertainty so that you can use methodologies that help you clarify the things you're uncertain about Um, the like no one or not no one, but certainly not the majority of Americans. they don't have that sort of scientific approach to life or the mindset to have this sort of rational, dialectic conversation. And so that's why I think it's ultimately useless at this point to try to have some sort of kumbaya, let's all have this higher-level intellectual conversation on a plane where we can all really sit down and understand the other person's viewpoint and really get in their shoes so we know where they're coming from and then all of a sudden because we've really had a dialogue we can like come to a consensus about what would be best for society like that ship has fucking sailed um and it's it's as prevalent as like the things we talked about last week like i still think one of the major underlying factors for all of this american culture shit is religion is the Abrahamic religions specifically? Whether you're a Christian, a Catholic, uh, fucking, uh, you're a, you're Jewish, or you believe in Islam, like as long as you are part of this Abrahamic tradition, you are you can't have a concept of feeling bad for these kids that died. You can't. It's impossible for you to really have empathy for them, is what I'm saying. I think that if you are going to pray to the same God who's over and over again in Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, the three big books that start the fucking Bible, he's over and over again murdering millions of innocent children, proudly doing so, and saying that if you're not faithful, I'll murder you too. If that's the God you're praying to, when you're worried about these kids that just died and you're praying for their families. If that's the person you're praying to in the fucking sky, you have no fucking empathy for children. And I'm sorry if you're a Christian or believer and listen to this, but you don't. You fucking don't. And ugh, I don't, I don't want to fucking start crying. This is This is what really pisses me off. To have that level of dissonance means that there is no possibility of having any kind of rational conversation with that person. There's no possibility of persuading them through reason and evidence. There is no way, because their entire mind rejects the fucking concept. So, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're a big believer and you disagree with what I'm saying— I would just prefer you never fucking listen to our podcast again. (laughs) Don't follow me on Twitter. Don't fucking talk to me. Don't reach out to me. I don't want to hear another fucking thing you have to say. I'm done. I'm fucking done. And I think those underlying currents make all of these other incredibly violent, visceral, horrible, terrible things possible that if that level of belief system didn't exist this level of pain and torture that is done to individuals on a mass scale would not happen. And I, you cannot convince me otherwise. So fucking don't even try.
0: Yeah. I mean, we mentioned it last weekend, but it's, or last week. Um, but I mean, it just kind of, the thing that I keep thinking about is like, like this morning I had a phone call and, uh, Uh, The person on the other end was like, so how are you holding up? And uh, I replied like, oh, do you know that I like had allergies this morning or what? (laughs) And they were like, no, Texas. And I'm like, oh, yeah, (laughs) because it just you get to a point where it has happened so many times and nothing changes. And there's so much complicity um, from so many different aspects of society that it becomes something that you don't you you stop recognizing as something that has I mean this is like the, the premise of capitalist realism is uh, you can't imagine anything other than what is going on you know mm-hmm. and so if you have that level of faith and I don't even you know it's hard to describe because there's Quite a few people who probably just subscribe say they subscribe to a religion because they're, um, I don't know, it's socially awkward to not do that for them. Uh, but it is that is then just being complicit for the right the thought process. Willfully are-
1: ignorant to if you if you're if you want to say, oh well, I just like it because of the fellowship and the friends and the the Mother's Day out group and all the fucking bullshit. Like you can't be part of the fucking cult and not, and pretend that you
0: don't know the tenets of the fucking cult. I mean, it's just imagine. Like (laughs) you leave the church or whatever, and you try to ask those friends to do the same exact things. No way. Are they responding to you? No. Like that's, that's what your friendship is based on. If it's, some social thing that it is so fragile that they they because they believe that it is the core to your personality not your actual personality being your personality like you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's you can't have um we're, a we're, life outside we're of those we're joined
1: things. by the devotion to this one this this, this mythology So if you just want to go for the fucking parties and you want to say, well, I never actually read the Bible and I don't really know what the Moses story is and I don't know what Passover is and I don't know what John 316 was and I don't know like the books of Isaiah and Ezekiel. like I don't get all that stuff like, well, then you need to fucking leave the church because you you aren't in it for the right reasons (laughs) because that's what everyone else is there for. And to pretend that, oh, I'm just here for the good works. I'm just here for for the Jesus stuff. Fuck you. That's all I have to say about it. Fuck it. Ugh. Fuck.
0: I mean, once saved, always saved, so I'm still clear. Uh, yeah, that's what
1: my dad always reminds me. <laughs> He's like, Oh, you'll be in heaven. Don't worry. I know that I I remember when I baptized you and you were four years old. You'll be there. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Gee, thanks.
0: <laughs> it was strange that my uh, my dad always loved pointing out, it's like, yeah, you know, it, as long as you were, uh, you accepted Jesus into your heart, you could become an axe murderer and you're still fine. And I'm <laughs> like, that is a really weird thing to be proud about. <laughs> um, can't
1: You can't get out of this heaven prison, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, I don't know. The... The politics of it are are not good the you know i I sort of see the relationship you're pointing out between religion and these things, especially from a foundational aspect um, but it's also i
1: like all the, the appeal all the appeals from the evangelical wing of every stretch of politics were. We just aren't teaching the Bible enough. We just have lost what it means to be a Christian family. We just need to get back to the golden rule. We just need to get back to the teachings of Jesus. Like That's what the refrain was from the prescription to solve these problems for these poor, deranged, mentally-health troubled individuals who go in and shoot up schools it's not the guns it's not even the fact that we don't support mental health you know uh prescriptions to help these individuals it's the fact that they're not praying enough or they haven't they're not getting the right type of intervention from their church leaders and oh their 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 father must not have been a very good christian leader of his household and all this fucking bullshit and every those people lap that shit up because it absolves them of any type of responsibility or accountability in the situation. They don't have anything they don't have to have. It's not me, man. I fucking go to church. I prayed for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's you get to a point I mean it, it like with the church thing, I I guess I've just been so removed from it for so many years that Like I, it still stuns me that people are, um, buying into it, that the, the level of like disconnect between what is, what actually results from those things is shouldn't, should be pointed out. I think, um, like you should have to reckon with the things that you support actually having Consequences on some scale. Right. And that's know?
1: that's why I would I think, and this is what I told Nikki yesterday, she's a school teacher. Um, so today they refresh their drills and her like site manager told her today, like, if this happens, uh you've you know, you don't have to do the duck and hover in your classroom. Like she has two two doors, one that enters hers and then one that it leaves to the playground. And like because we talked about it, it was like if this, if anything ever happens at your school, like the goal is to sh- grab as many kids as you can and you run out of the fucking building. <laughs> like, you get as far, far as far away from it as possible. And the site manager uh, today told her the same thing. And even to like the uh, to to the point where if there's kids that don't comply with running away, you just have to kind of leave them behind to save as many as you can because staying behind for a couple more seconds could be the difference of like you getting some out or all of you getting shot in your classroom type of thing. And that's the type of shit that they have to think about. And these are fucking preschoolers and they know about it. Like they know where to hide in the room. They know like their plan. They, 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 they've done it many times. Already, in one year of preschool, they've done it multiple times throughout the year. Before, you know, this most recent shooting, it was just part of the curriculum. Um, Yeah. And, you know, her dad is big NRA, gun, fucking nut. And this would be, like, my emotional appeal from this is that at the funerals of these kids, at the funerals of these teachers when you go to that church where the pastor's going to get up and give the fucking eulogy i want all of the people that were totally cool with all of their guns were totally cool with arguing that maybe we should just arm teachers or maybe we just need more metal detectors in schools and the people that did not want to do any type of intervention when it came to when it came to anything to do with guns I want them to have to stand up at the fucking funeral and say in an honorable way how much they appreciate the sacrifice of this child or this teacher for maintaining my Second Amendment rights. <laughs> that's yeah. That should be the fucking eulogy. And the next time I see Nikki's dad, that's exactly what I'm going to tell him. Um, if Nikki is ever a victim of this type of violence... This is what I expect from you. And that might mean that we never talk again. But that is what I'm going to tell them the next time we see each other. So I think that more of us need to have those types of conversations with people in our lives that obviously have these fucked up views on how the world works. And if that means that you destroy those relationships, fucking destroy the relationship. It's time for the people to feel uncomfortable. It's two two years to the day since fucking George Floyd and uh, the coalitions in Minnesota for social justice have still seen zero police reform that they were promised two fucking years ago.
0: Eight can't wait. We
1: aren't making people uncomfortable enough. That's why I say, fuck your f- long-term friends, fuck your family members, fuck all of them. Make them uncomfortable. And if they get so uncomfortable that they don't ever want to see you again, you're better off for it.
0: Yeah, there has to be, I mean, that's, (laughs) maybe that's the point that I think, like, we allude to by saying things have to get worse. That means personally. Yeah. (laughs) Like, things are personally going to get worse until they can get better. And, you know, it's nice to see that people are talking about this kind of stuff. But, again, you know, I pointed it out last year. Um that like after the election and after um everything was uh was it last year maybe two years I can't remember when it was but you had a point where you know people are like riled up about something and then well football season started so then you know we don't even have we don't even have social media like where people are talking about it mm-hmm. and you know I understand a lot of people like sports, but it's just, it's amazing to me how quickly people can retweet something about, and this is why I say Twitter doesn't matter, but it's just insane that this is how your brain is going, and then I I hope that you take the time to analyze what that's then doing to your brain, that you can be reading the Twitter moments about how horrible the mass shooting was, and then immediately talk about, you know, some sh- shot Luca made or whatever. Like, it is destroying your brain. <laughs> right. There, there is to... there is
1: a massive amount of... I think that it's it's a little tough because I think that everyone is going to cope in their own way with different levels of trauma. And so I think that a lot of people have learned how to compartmentalize in maybe not healthy ways about a lot of this right. type That's of stuff. That's what I'm saying. Um, so... And, and like we like we talk about a lot, like, you know, free will is a fucking illusion. And so, th- <laughs> like, those types of things that are, um, that are instigating you to either be upset and then you get that, like, certain sudden twinge where you're like, Oh, yeah, I forgot. I have a little bit of joy for something totally different that's going on. And if you, like, grasp at that for the 20 seconds so you can feel that little moment and then it goes away... Then you're back in your pit of despair. Like I, I don't, I, I, I understand that people are going to cope in a lot of ways, and it's also the same reason why I don't have like a problem with like gallows humor or that or like dark, dark humor in these types of situations. Either. Yeah, yeah. Because I think a lot of people, the way that they cope is because they're so out of tears and sorrow, and they're so flabbergasted by the this insurmountable emotion that all they can do is make really fucking dark jokes about it. <laughs> and I I sympathize with that because that, that's definitely part of my personality. Um, and it's not a way of like diminishing the reality of what's going on, but it is a coping mechanism. So I, I think, if anything, it is a window into the social psyche of how... We are dealing with incredible amounts of trauma in this day and age and what goes on psychologically in our brains to try to compartmentalize these different levels of trauma and at least you know, not all of us just commit suicide
0: <laughs> yeah I it's I understand that there's levels of coping and and defense mechanisms and everything like that. Uh, trust me, I understand that but i think it needs to be analyzed personally on what that's doing yeah. that you're having and you know i you know i'm on twitter of course like i understand it is it can be like a fun place to like do whatever but we all spend way too much time on there i mean i'm not the first person to say go touch grass but come on like there's mm-hmm. you need to really think about what is it doing that that this is where I'm getting mm-hmm. my interaction on things so that you can then understand seeing a video clip of uh you know Beto showing up where Greg Abbott is is not the same as organizing your community for right. whatever you know action needs to be taken. So it is that I think that's kind of the where like a lot of my um it's not like frustration or whatever but i don't know the right word for it but like just icky feeling of that kind of stuff is comes from because there's actual action that needs to be done mm-hmm. and you know i'm not saying that i'm the one doing it but i i try and at least think about it more right i think you're um, you're
1: you're noticing that you have to have some level of intentionality to things But like we've talked about, intentionality requires introspection and introspection requires knowing that whatever your first impulse is, is the one that you had no control over. So you have to put the brakes on the first impulse, evaluate that impulse and then and then have a reaction to that impulse. And then you might have a little bit of control over, you know, what you're about to do. And that goes back to the beginning of asking people asking this population to do something that is foreign to the American culture and is very uncomfortable. <laughs> because a lot of people, man, I they just fucking live moment to moment based upon whatever impulse boils up in their chest at that second. And I don't know. If, if anything, I, I do find it somewhat kind of... Uh, miraculous that there's people like the people who listen to this podcast and like us who've grown up like I grew, all I knew, all I remember from being a child was growing up with lots of histories of extreme violence. <laughs> like I grew up during the during fucking Ruby Ridge and fucking uh Branch Davidians and the Oklahoma City bombing and Columbine and the Colleen Luby shooting and fucking all the ones that I forgot and everything that's happened since I since 9/11 and to to be individuals here that still sit and have this visceral disgust for this level of violence and how it's just embraced and ingrained in our culture. It's kind of amazing that we don't just, we're not, you know, inoculated to it and we don't just embrace it like all the other fucking, uh, America's the best fucking patriots out there who just want to get guns and say this is worth the sacrifice. Like, I- I'm, it's, it's astonishing that there's at least a large faction of this country that still hasn't, you know, fully succumbed to it. At least growing up in my experience about how I, there was no, there was no sort of fucking peaceful, innocent children playing in the daisies world. That's not the world either one of us grew up in.
0: No. And now, I mean, like, miho and i have been talking about like kids uh quite a bit like this past weekend just because we're like how in the world do people like think like having kids is their purpose or a <laughs> like, good or a
1: good idea at all
0: <laughs> yeah and you know then you and we're just talking about like you know you know i would feel um what were you we talking about it was uh you know, obviously there's, there's so many potential issues that could arise from just becoming pregnant to begin with, or being pregnant or giving birth. So there's a lot of issues there. Then there's health potential complications, um, for the kid, uh, or Miho. And so we're just like, you know, that, that seems like so tough to weigh. And, um, the thing that I, like, you know, realize is I wouldn't want to think this, but say we had a kid that was born with, like, a, you know, some sort of handicap or something. Um, I would never want to think it, but I'm sure there would be a day that it was so tough that I would think, man, I wish we didn't do this. Yeah. And then I would feel so terrible about it. Yeah. And... To imagine that people... I don't know. I feel like people can't think about those things that want to have kids. Like, you can't consider that because it would just be too much on you. But now imagine, okay, then you you want to raise a kid? You have uh, They're growing up in a world of... Um, like, their attention span is totally shot because capital has driven these devices into all of our hands and our dependence of every single thing we do into that. Then you have a uh, viral pandemics, plural, because now we are seeing, you know, monkeypox going into countries and, uh, yeah, the U S says that they have enough smallpox vaccines for the entire population. You can't get one if you want, you can't right. get one to try and prevent. And, and how, and how many people are so pro
1: vaccine that they're going to get a fucking smallpox vaccine. <laughs> Although we did yeah, talk, I looked in, we did talk about, uh, the, uh, the The one advantage Monkeypox has going for it is the vanity aspect. So I think a lot more people would uh, suddenly, who are who are anti-vax, become pro-vax just because they don't want to get a bunch of sores all over their hands and face.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's more lethal, too, than COVID, uh, which is another issue. But they wouldn't but, care but, about the know, dying aspect. The it has, stuff, it has yeah. to do
1: with the vanity that, ooh, I don't want sores. I don't want scars on my face later. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's the thing, like I looked into getting a smallpox vaccine because it's supposedly eighty-five percent effective against monkeypox, but I'm not a healthcare provider that regularly handles the monkeypox. Did vaccine, you have one when so did you I have smallpox
1: vaccine when you were a kid?
0: No, they stopped doing them in like it was like the seventies they stopped or eighty. I think nineteen eighty they stopped giving them to kids. So um yeah, I mean, like, it's it's insane to me. But then you have these these things, and then you have so much gun violence and division politically, and um, wealth <laughs> wealth gaps. So we were, you know, we grew up in an era of like extreme violence, and this is the world that we live in so much now that we like don't have any way to cope with it other than like, you know, screaming into our pillow because politicians aren't doing anything. Well, imagine the kids that you're raising now that are growing up in... It's a different type of violence. It's not overseas oh, yeah. war And how, and how great is. is that
1: relationship going to be when they're 16 and the world's on fire and they're going to be looking at you like, uh, how come you didn't do anything about this to save the planet?
0: Yeah, it, Tell me again why you drove a car every single day and got plastic bags every single day from the convenience? store. convenience? That's it was convenient. <laughs> oh, oh, it's because it's real
1: convenient now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> real convenient to live now.
0: Because you because you needed to have a job, and were there jobs available that you didn't have to do that? Okay, yeah, but they didn't pay anything, so you weren't willing to, you know, live in a smaller apartment. So that it, I mean, obviously, it's not a, on the individual.
1: Right, right. It's not. It's not an individual responsibility, responsibility thing, but. Your kids, just like every 16 year old kid looks at their parents and is upset with the things that happened (laughs) with the way that they were raised or the environment in which they were raised, that you have those rebellious moments like... These are going to be existential rebellious moments. <laughs> They're not going yeah. to be like, oh, man, my my parents wouldn't let me date till I was 17 or, or oh, man, they why'd you homeschool me for fourth through sixth grade? I feel like such a nerd weirdo now when I go to school, like it's not this not the same level of a of of fucking rebellion is going to be happening with these new kids. And I get it. Like. Nikki and I tried to have kids. Um, and then at some point it became like very cost prohibitive to keep going down the fertility journey. And that's when you really have the questions like ethically, what are we doing here? Like, is having a genetic copy of us that important? Is this some sort of narcissistic fantasy? Like what, what are we really doing here? Um, are we going to actually bring a kid into a world where the best probably the world is going to be is the day they're born, and it's going to get progressively worse their entire life, and they're going to have wor- like worse economic outcomes, worse environmental outcomes, and worse health outcomes every day that they live going forward? Like, is that really a great idea? Um, and, you know, I think there is something, too, like, with Nikki being a teacher, but also, you know, when you're... When you do have, make the tough decision to not have children, it does free you up as an individual then to be, do a lot of like healthy type of parenting type roles. Like I've got nieces and nephews, both my brother and sister have multiple kids. Nikki, you know, has all of her kids that are her students and everything. Um, but being childless, I think helps you be a better sort of advocate for those children that aren't your biological children. Like you can almost do some better parenting type stuff with them than their actual parents can. Because you can, you know, be a sounding board. You can be that listening function. You can be that one that... Um, is there and accepting of them when maybe something isn't going as smoothly in their home life because there is going to be this overarching narcissistic tendency to really want to control your individual offspring and that can lead you to do things that maybe you'll regret later because you did some bad stuff as a parent the way you reacted to them the way that you let your anger get out of control all that type of stuff and having sort of uh advocates in the family or in your classroom or whatever that aren't parents and don't have that kind of baggage, I think is can be beneficial to other relationships with other children.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's just one of those things that we're like, I don't know <laughs> when anybody, I, I don't know. I don't think people would go through it that think, through it as much as we're thinking through it just because it's yeah and to imagine like that's the thing that i don't know why um this particular shooting is having so much coverage uh of like the which is insane um it's but i haven't seen this much coverage of like stuff after the fact since sandy like, like the um well i mean like the like video of like the parents going to do DNA tests so that they can yeah. make sure they have the right mangled body to put in a cast. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's not weekend. since Sandy
1: Hook do I remember that level of coverage because it was sort of the same thing with Sandy Hook where they're such tiny bodies that having AR fifteen rounds go through them like actually is like rips rips them apart. And you know, not not to be you know, morbid or whatever, but I think everyone needs to really wrestle with that fact because I think it does kind of over-sanitize it when you just call it, oh, mass shooting, AR-15. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, to understand what that caliber of bullet does to a tiny, you know, 8, 9, 10-year-old body at point-blank range because he's in the fucking classroom with them. And they're all huddled, you know, together. <laughs> like, uh that needs to be felt by everybody this is it's the same like don't don't fucking sanitize war footage don't fucking sanitize this stuff because people need to feel it you really need to feel what this is like Some people don't have the capacity for empathy beyond like their next of kin and the, just using words uh that, you know, overly simplify the actions that happened, don't ever hit the triggers inside of their body to let them have that empathetic response. Sometimes you got to confront people with the completely torn-to-shreds bodies that parents can't identify Um, as they go into the room. And the way that the... The the hospital is trying to determine who is still left is by process of elimination of the parents still left in the waiting room to know who they got to call back to find out if they need to identify their kid. Because only yeah, the like, fucking I mean, parent can know, oh yeah, my kid chews its fingernails on that side and I know exactly what that looks like on that hand because that's the only identifiable piece left.
0: Yeah. I mean, can you imagine being called to ask <laughs> what what clothes was your kid wearing this morning, something that you don't even think about because that's the only way that they can identify a bot. Bi- like, you know, you need to fully conceptualize what that is like because that's what's happening today for what, like 15 families? How many 19. kids was it? 19 kids. And the People who are in power and have majority in the Senate, they have the White House and they have Congress, uh, said they can't do anything because they've got plans for the Memorial Day weekend, and they kind of <laughs> were thinking they were going to get off a little early. Uh, you know, it's Wednesday, and really, if you think about it, a three-day weekends not that much fun unless we, we, you can have they, 3 days prior they they tried
1: they tried to call the school district to see if they could put off the shooting until after Memorial Day but then they found out school was going to get out on Friday so that wasn't going to work with the shooter's schedule so it's it's all got fucked up
0: right i mean it's it's one of those things that um again to, for things to actually change it needs to get worse which means you need to actually experience on a personal level those things that make it so much so that you can't (laughs) like stand it anymore and don't think you can vote your way out of this or whatever you know i don't have a prescription of what could possibly change things i i honestly think that the country is just going to crumble into you know um states and then regions that are against each other Mm -hmm. like that's you know like the word state you might have a
1: breakup like the ussr broke up you know (laughs) like
0: (laughs) yeah well like the word state in every other context means a country yeah (laughs) that we're the united states because it is we're supposed to be a bunch of of
1: republics that are made up of these individualized countries that all caucus together
0: (laughs) right so okay then let's go back to that. Well, I don't think that's really fair to the people that can't afford to get out of Texas mm-hmm. or, you know, want to stay there because their their friends are there or whatever. You know, it's so it's it's kind of a it's a crumbling mess that there's no way to change it. But I think it almost has to come to everybody experiencing on a personal level something so catastrophic that they then recognize i mean i think like the gop is in a sprint right now to destroy public education mm-hmm. because they don't want people to draw the connections between the people that give them money and the climate crisis that is going to be occurring nonstop oh, yeah. non-stop in a few years like if you and that's i mean that's kind of like the impetus for this podcast is like it's good to learn things even if it's talking about you know the black hole at the center of our universe or whatever it is good to want to learn things even on a superficial level or whatever but we hope that it goes much deeper than that because it's i don't know i feel like it's in 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 so many different areas of um american life but especially i know like texas life education is not something that is applauded or you know wanting Fucking to nerds. learn things is not yeah so it's i think it's something that's becoming increasingly more important and i saw a tweet earlier where someone was like uh some someone wrote an article saying that the texas shooting makes a great case for homeschooling
1: oh that was the federalist and it's like of course the federalist would be yeah. like hey guys this is the time where we need to totally get rid of public schools <laughs> that's <laughs> so the solution I mean, to, we'll stop having school shootings if we just get rid of schools
0: I mean, it is. That's that's the trick you can fall into because then it is. It's like, yeah, okay, that is. You know, school shootings don't happen over the summer, um, but
1: but but movie theater shootings do, and supermarket shootings do, and right. park shootings do, and concert shootings do, and yeah. <laughs> shootings in Deep Ellum do every fucking night. Like, what do you?
0: Don't fall into the trap of anything Anything you see anybody saying something where you're like, well, the GOP wants to ban, you know, banning abortions will stop abortions, but banning guns won't stop gun violence. Look at the hypocrisy. It's like, no, they don't want to stop abortions. They want to punish people. Yeah. (laughs) You have to understand that.
1: All right, man. I'm I'm emotionally drained. So that's about all I got. All
0: right, I'll record now. <laughs> All
1: right, well, you, well, once you record your podcast, send send it over to me, and I'll and I'll post it. <laughs> your solo podcast on the on the black <laughs> hole at the center of our galaxy.
0: <laughs> I'm one. I mean, at this point, this is you know darker than it should be. But I'm wondering, are we going to be able to cover it next? Oh week? my god.
1: Well, who, who knows? Maybe Congress will get back from the Memorial Day recess and we'll have some awesome legislation to discuss because everyone was so emotionally moved by, by this last shooting that they're finally willing to, uh, to come together and, and make some action happen. President Biden's speech was just so, so come on, guys, that, uh, that they finally are going to come on, guys.
0: Yeah, the, you need a nice even tan in order to pass gun gun, gun uh, restricting legislation. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're all going to like Cancun together and they need to have like a booze cruise or something where everybody gets lubed up and then they can all t- kind of start crying on each other's shoulders, you know, when you get to that really drunk level where you just, you know, start sobbing. And then like some real feelings will come out. And then when they get back from vacation, we'll be like, man, that was the best time of our lives. We did did some LSD. We drank a lot. We totally see the world in a new way now. We're all coming together, guys. We're going to make this world a better place.
0: Chuck Schumer has braids.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd take that over the Kinty cloth any day.
0: (laughs) Good God, yeah, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, almost almost 2 years from the from the from Pelosi and Schumer taking a knee.
0: So, Jesus. <laughs>
1: well. All right. Kay. Until next week.
0: Bye.